Space Croutons! Space Croutons, season 3.14. of the circumference of any circle to the diameter of that circle, regardless of the circle size, this ratio will only be complied. That's right, audience. It's once again time for Space Croutons 3.14. It's me, Curdy Clammerwood, along with my AI co-producer par excellence, Sally, casting our pod from the back of Van Helsing out to you and yours for yet another episode. Sally, what say you to our friends and fans across the galaxy and beyond? In the words of Travis Stritt, I say, here's a quarter, call someone who cares. Okay, Sally, why don't you just tell me what wacky topic you're exploring today? I beg your pardon, Cordy, but I never promised you a rose garden. I have however taken it upon myself to study some of the wisest humans to have ever existed and the advice they have set to music. I see, and could these folks be country music songwriters? Well kiss an angel good morning, Cordy, you are exactly correct. After analyzing much of the country music song catalog, I am surprised that human earthlings are still struggling with their lives. I have determined that everything a human needs to know to live a happy life can be found in a country song. Is that right? Well, I'm almost afraid to ask, but can you give me an example? Of course, Cordy. To have a happy life, a human need only walk the line to visit your friends in low places, i.e. the coal miner's daughter. Jolene and the gambler and invite them to come out from behind closed doors and go walkin' after midnight to take you home country roads until Sunday morning coming down brings you to where you can stand by your man, the Wichita lineman at the Harper Valley PTA which will make you the happiest girl in the whole USA. What say you, Cordy? <sighs> I say I cannot argue with your logic, even if I wanted to. Instead, I suggest we take care of today's commercial sponsors so we can get to our story. Who are we featuring today? How many times do you find yourself running late for an important meeting or event? How many times do you wish those boring dinners with the in-laws or that tedious dental appointment would finally end? And how many times have you thought you could really get your life together if you just had time to think? Well, 
We are here to tell you that the answer to all of this is practically staring you in the face. And we want you to have what you need. All you have to do is register with us. Times Square Timeshares. And we'll handle the rest. As a member of Times Square Timeshares, you will be able to access all your favorite moments in time as well as the ability to make them go slower. And when you just have to make it through the painful moments that life throws at you, you can speed through them as fast as you like. Remember, this is a time-sensitive offer, so don't delay. Act today and make sure you pay on time, as no one can afford our late fees. <laughs> That's Times Square Timeshares, where time heals everything. And with that out of the way, Space Crew Tonians, it's time to listen to today's story. It was a handwritten letter that arrived via one of those food delivery services in a plain brown restaurant takeout container. It's titled Time Loops. Let's take it to go, Sally. 39 years ago, my mama named me Chantilly. But at the diner where I work, my name tag just reads Chanty. I wish I could meet you in person, Curdy, but I'm not sure that will ever be possible. And I have to confess right here at the start, I don't know much about your Space Crouton show. I did get to hear bits of it the other day, including the part where someone told you that a killer is loose, dispatching folks who send you their stories, and how you've decided to try and stop them from killing anybody else. Well, that's what gave me the idea to reach out. I'm hoping that while you're doing that, you might also do me a solid and solve my murder. Now, don't freak out. I'm not contacting you from the other side, as I am clearly at this moment not actually dead. But I will be before the day is out. And then again tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. And well, you, know, you get my drift. <laughs> Although, that's not exactly right either, since it won't technically be tomorrow or the next day. Well, at least not for me. For me, it'll still be today. Because as it happens, I'm... I'm stuck in what I think you'd call a time loop. Not sure I can explain it any better, but I'll try. To start with, I know that in your present, people have been able to time travel via those transportals and such. I heard that on your podcast, too. Well, not that I've ever really traveled. I stay busy making a living. I cook breakfasts, lunches, and dinners at the Half-Life Bar and Grill for what I can only guess would be a couple of decades now. What I mean is that the time loop started on my first day in the kitchen, and it's been going on for so long, I have no idea what year it is for you or if Half-Life even exists anymore. Well, ex except for me, of course. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know if you can just come to the diner and stop what I'm going through. And I have no idea how you could do it through one of your portals either. And even if you could, well, I don't want to put you in danger. I just want it to stop. 
Oh, and I should tell you that there is a lot I don't understand about this whole time loop thing. I mean, well, I'm no scientist, but I am a great cook. <laughs> Recipes are my thing. So over the repetitions of the day, as I have become aware of my situation, I have tried stuff to somehow stop my death from happening, or at least break the loop and move on to whatever is after life. But, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. First, I should go through the details of what happened the day it started. Okay, that day I woke up early and I was stoked. Growing up, I could never really decide what I wanted to do with my life. I had a single dad to raise me. My mom died when I was three, cancer, and dad tried hard to give me as normal a life as he could. I wasn't a great student. Studying history or grammar put me to sleep. <laughs> Math and science, they were okay, but not as a path to some kind of career. What I did like was when I was at home making meals with Dad. I mean, he wasn't a fancy chef or anything, but he made it fun. He was the kind of cook who would open up a fridge or a pantry and pull out a few random ingredients and say, Let's see what we can make with these. <laughs> Most people would look at his selected food items and shake their heads. But Dad just took a moment to think and then got right to work. He would whistle away as salsa, rice, and chicken thighs became baked chicken Guadalajara. Or fig jam, sliced ham, onions, and goat cheese became our favorite pizza toppings. <laughs> The cool part was that more often than not, the dish was as tasty as it was unexpected. Now, this taught me not to be afraid of food and to trust my palate as I brought creativity to my own dishes. <laughs> we cooked that way together until, uh, until he died from heart issues when I was 22. And that's what eventually landed me in the kitchen of Half-Life. I came with no real professional kitchen experience, but was confident enough yesterday to step into the diner when I noticed the help wanted sign in the window. I had just left a particularly sour shift at my job in the billing department for the local phone company. Now, the owner of the diner, J. Bob Openhouse, I promise you that is his name. Where it came from, I haven't a clue. Well, he said I impressed him with my moxie. <laughs> and after I told him about my dad, he tested me on the spot by placing a fresh, uncooked pork chop on the prep table and said, Make me something delicious to go with this. I nodded and looked around. Grinning, I grabbed a package of dried cranberries from the produce shelf and an open bottle of red cooking wine and an apple from the fridge and some ground cinnamon and a bit of ginger sitting on the well-stocked spice rack and headed for the stove. Get that chop done the way you like it, I said to him. Then I diced the apple, placed it in the cranberries in a saucepan and added the wine and spices and slowly reduced the liquid as it plumped the craisins and softened the apple until it all came together into a simple and tasty sort of chutney. <laughs> oh. Once the savory smelling pork chop was off the stove and had rested a few minutes, I ladled a big spoonful of my concoction on top of it. J-Bob inspected the presentation, then cut into the meat and heaped the chutney on with the side of his knife. Then he crammed it in his mouth and chewed carefully. His blank expression began to change to a smile as he swallowed. Can you start tomorrow? 
Well, I smiled back, nodded, and one hearty handshake later, I was using the wall phone near the front door to call my manager to quit the phone company without looking back. I slept fitfully last night, eager and excited, and woke early to get ready. I forced myself to sit and sip through two cups of coffee with cream and sugar while watching the morning news. I found myself stirring the brew absent-mindedly as the news anchor reported on an apartment fire on the other side of town and a pending bus strike, and then I headed out for my six o'clock shift start at half-life. As I reached the front door of the diner, I glanced above and whispered, Thanks, Dad. I imagined him looking down from heaven with his familiar cat-eating-the-canary grin as I entered, the bell over the door dinging me in at 5.43 for my first day in a real kitchen. Just so you're clear, just because you got here 15 minutes early, it doesn't mean you get to leave 15 minutes early. J-Bob was laying down the law right away, but he said it with a big smile, which made me smile too. I nodded. Got it, chief. Well then, get in that kitchen. You've got prep to do. He pushed open the swinging door and let me slide past him into the same kitchen where I had been a visitor yesterday. J-Bob pulled the hand towel off his shoulder and wiped his massive and constantly sweaty forehead. Gotta tell you, I've been running ragged since Muff just up and left. I hope you can really take a load off my shoulders. Muff? Short for muffler, because apparently he never spoke louder than a whisper, was the guy I was replacing. He had cooked everything at Half-Life for 13 years, until he just didn't show up three weeks ago. As J-Bob put it, No notice. No I quit phone call. Not even a sorry, but I ain't making no more freaking blue plate specials where they won't even try my coleslaw. Tipper tantrum. I mean, it's disrespectful. Don't ever do that to me. I gave J-Bob one of several nods as he walked me through the kitchen's resources at my disposal, the prep area, the grill, the salamander, the fridge, the freezer. Even the microwave looked worn, but well cared for, cleaned, and organized. I was eager to get started. This was going to be a cinch. Now, I found muscles of what he's always prepped when he got here. The only stuff missing would be for the three daily specials you got to come up with each day. One for breakfast, one for lunch, and one for dinner time. You'll have to look over what you got to work with. Decide quickly what you want to do today. I can write it on the chalkboard by the cash register up front. Then check the menu and make sure you're ready to prepare everything on it. Ask me for help if something doesn't make sense. Then get this kitchen fired up. You get one assistant back here. His name's Kipper, and he will slink in about 6.30. He's pale and quiet, so you'll have to pay attention to know when he's here. We open for customers at 7. You got two servers, Larry and Lenny, my sister's twin. Now, I know what you're thinking. Nepotism. But trust me, they know what they're doing. You'll meet them when they get here. Questions? Not at this point. I breathed in as many of the details as I could as I picked up my own hand towel, heading for the sink to wash up. About the towels. J-Bob turned back from the door, already swinging open. Now keep track of them. One for dishes, one for your hands, and one for wiping up messes. Don't use them all. Laundry prices are killing me. And with that, the door swooshed back, J-Bob was gone, and the kitchen was mine. I maneuvered the taps to a tepid warm temp, and then soaked up as I racked my brain for specials. To start, I better check my produce. I stared at and memorized my hand towel and placed it over my shoulder. Then I strode to the fridge where I found some oranges, three pints of fresh strawberries, and a couple of quart containers filled with green tomatoes. 
Well, that's all three. I congratulated myself, even though there were other ingredients to check for for the following specials. A fresh strawberry French toast for breakfast, grilled cheese and fried green tomato sandwiches for the lunch crowd, and a take on an orange glazed pork entree for dinner. A quick run around the kitchen confirmed the other necessary items, and I rushed out to the front to find J-Bob. And in my excitement, I pushed the swinging door hard, smashing a youngish-looking man right in the nose, knocking him on his butt. Well, oh, I, I, I am so sorry, I sputtered as the man groaned, blood trickling through his fingers as he held them over his face. Grabbing my towel off my shoulder, I kneeled down and offered it to him, and he replaced his hand with it. What did I say about using all the towels? And bloodstains are extra. J-Bob whimpered as he came over to us. Really, I am so sorry, I repeated, wringing my hands, then trying to help my victim stand. Well, it looks like you've officially met Kipper. And with a single hand, J-Bob lifted him back to his feet. Let me take a look. Kipper lowered the towel and looked up, wincing as J-Bob touched his nose. Don't seem to be broken. You're going to be okay. Get a bandage from the employee bathroom after you get yourself cleaned up. He patted Kipper on the shoulder, urging him toward the door, which was still slightly swinging. And you. He looked at me. You see that little round window right at eye level? That's there to look through beforehand. So use it. I don't need any workers' comp claims. Right, Chief. I turned to see if Kipper needed my assistance, but J-Bob stopped me. Hey, what about those specials? I assume that's why you came barreling out here. Somehow, he was already at the empty piece of slate with a stubby stick of chalk at the ready. Right, Chief. I listed the items while trying not to hyperventilate as he squeaked and clacked the words on the board. Finishing, he stood back to read it. Nice, Chanty. Then, as I hesitated, he motioned with his arms. Well, get back in there. These aren't going to cook themselves. For a third time, I said, right, chief, and just before I touched the door, I stopped and looked through the little round window just to make sure the route was clear, and then pushed through. Kipper, with a band-aid across and paper towel stuffed in his slightly swollen nose, was coming out of the employee bathroom, still a little bit unsteady, and headed for the grill. Are you sure you okay? I stepped toward him. He sheepishly nodded but said nothing, turning the grill on to preheat. Boy, I thought, he's like a scared little rabbit and it's my fault. I decided to move to the other side of the prep table and give him some space. As I started removing the stems from the strawberries, I said, So, I'm guessing you handle the grill. He turned to look at me again and nodded. Great, we'll be doing a French toast special for breakfast. I'm guessing you can handle that? A third nod and I decided that silence might be the best option for a while. So I reached over and turned on an old transistor radio sitting against the wall at the end of the table. The familiar strains of Balanchini's 13 heartaches came through the tiny speaker. After a few moments, I noticed Kipper ever so slightly bouncing to the tune and... I breathed a sigh. Okay, he likes music. We'll just go with that for now. Almost immediately, the door swung open and Larry and Linny popped their heads in and introduced themselves with twin synchronized waves of their hands. Hi, Shanty. This is Linny. And this is Larry. Nice to meet you. We'll post those orders on the little wheel at the window over there. And we'll pick up the food from the same place when you ring the bell. 
And if you can't read Lenny's writing, just ask me. I've been figuring out her chicken scratch for years now. You're the one who failed composition class because you can't spell. So, Shanty, come to me. Ta-ta! And they were gone. I glanced over at Kipper, who showed no indication he had even noticed the twins had appeared, and with a sigh, I began to slice green tomatoes. I barely finished my prep work when I heard Lenny's voice chime through the window. Order in. At seven o'clock sharp. My first plate, two scrambled eggs, bacon with hash browns and whole wheat toast. I called out the items and Kipper immediately slapped the hash browns and bacon down on the grill and cracked two eggs into a bowl. Guess the toast is mine. I chuckled as Larry announced, Order in, Shanty. All right, Kipper. Two breakfast specials with a side of ham for one, sausage for the other. I started mixing the eggs, milk, vanilla, and cinnamon for dipping the bread, three slices for each, with a real sense of satisfaction. Then, as the bread grilled, I gave the strawberries a quick turn with the slotted spoon and added my secret ingredient, a pinch of thyme to round out their flavor. As Kipper plated the golden toasted slices, I heaped the strawberries on top, scattering a few here and there around the stack. Smiling at how easy this all seemed, I grabbed the nicely presented plates, put them in the window, and tapped the bell. Order up! But instead of seeing Lenny or Larry smiling on the other side, ready to take the orders to their tables, my eyes met those of a stranger wearing a ski mask and pointing a pistol through the window straight at me. And before I could react, he shot me point blank, right between the eyes. Well, needless to say, dying like that was somewhat of a shock. But that was nothing compared to the next instant when I found myself waking up early in bed, eager to get to the half-life to start my first day. Everything at home was just as I described above, except that this time I could recall that I had just died. I ran to the bathroom and checked myself in the mirror. No hole in my forehead, no blood. Well, I convinced myself that I must have dreamt it, and since it was just a dream, I should get it together and not be late. It wasn't until I was sitting with my coffee and heard the news anchor reporting the same news stories that I got a bit queasy. Still, it it, it could be a coincidence, right? The route to the diner was the same, but nothing of note had happened during the trip in my dream, so I began to calm down. The uneasy feeling returned, however, as the bell chimed when I pushed through the door of the diner. J-Bob said the same things, laughed the same way, showed me the kitchen just the same as I remembered. Was it remembering or deja vu? And I double-checked my supplies for the specials. I have to tell you, I was getting pretty spooked by all of this. Then, I reached the moment when I would barrel through the kitchen door, but this time I paused to look through the round window and saw no sign of Kipper on the other side. Sighing with relief, I chided myself for getting so worked up about a nightmare and shoved through, only to smash Kipper just like I remembered squarely in the nose. The rest of it played out the same, with the exception of the moment the food was ready. 
I was panicking about the idea of going to the service window, so instead, I inched up to the round window in the kitchen door to peek out, and when I did, the stranger was there, peeking at me from the other side, put the pistol up to the glass, and fired, and again, I was gone. The next instant, I was rearing up in bed, hyperventilating, sweaty and confused. The one thing I was sure of was that I was going nowhere near the diner no how. The police, I thought. I'll go to the police. I quickly dressed and ran out the door. Fortunately, there was a precinct three blocks from where I lived, and I practically ran there. But when I pulled open the door to enter the station, I heard a familiar bell and found myself staring at J-Bob, who was admonishing me about getting to work early doesn't mean I get to leave early. The rest you know. (sighs) I can assure you I have tried everything I could think of to alter the events. Hiding in the employee bathroom, trying to escape out the back door, changing the specials, refusing to make the food, changing the station on the radio. Well, that's how it happened upon your show. Getting Kipper to talk to me. He's actually a pretty decent fellow. I even tried to arm myself with some kind of weapon, but the killer has outsmarted me every time and the results are always the same. I died from a gunshot to my head. I have no idea if my killer is the one you were looking for, but I mean, I sent you my story and I am going to die, so please consider my situation. Not sure if you will even get this, but what else am I going to do? And in the meantime, I know where I will be. Regards, Chantilly. Well, bless my achy breaky heart, Cordy. It sounds like Chantilly needs our help. I agree, Sally. It's like my dad used to say. You can be a man with a plan or a man of action. But either way, you're going to fail if you don't plan your action and then act on your plan. So plan on turning me some ice cream and then go get some nuts for the topping. I'm aching for a sundae. Sally, why don't you search for the Half-Life Bar and Grill, find out where it is or was, and I'll do the sign-off. Right you are. And while we won't let our babies grow up to be cowboys, we will be on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Okay, friends, just ignore Sally and think about what Chantilly is going through. If you know anything you think might be helpful to stop what's happening, or anything regarding the other deaths we're investigating, we need you to call in. Don't wait, hesitate, or procrastinate. Lives are in the balance. And of course, join us next time for another episode of Space Croutons Season 3.14. As always, stay safe and keep peace in your heart until our next story time. If you want to join in, it might help to have some hints. Tell your friends and neighbors, we'll be adding capers to the Space Croutons. Season 3.14 Come on! Space
Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode story by Jeff. Original music by Della, Jeff, John, and Jerry. Production by John, Della, Jerry, Patsy, and Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Patsy Puckett, Della, John, Jerry, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2022 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio production.